But it's like that, isn't it, that we know songs. Songs are important. Uh, songs, we, we use them a lot. They, they help us. I remember once talking to uh, Graham Kendrick about music, and I, we, we were in Ibiza at the time, and I said, can you see a place for dance music in worship? And he, he said to me, well, sort of, but the reality is that when we sing songs, we learn Bible, we learn Scripture, we learn truth. In fact, this morning we sang, uh, you know, Wait Upon the Lord, that song, you know, I can't sing it. It's Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31. We were just singing scripture. Or when we're singing, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. We're singing Psalm 103, verse 8 to 12. So songs are important because when we sing, we get the truth into us. Sometimes when we sing these songs on a Sunday, it's, it's actually biblical. We're singing songs that impact us, that stick in our minds, that we remember. And I was just thinking about what is the song that should emanate from the church? What is the song that we should sing? What is the song that people should know us for? And I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've recently been reading Psalm 46, and I'd like to read it to you this morning. This is a song that was written by uh, Korath and his sons. They were Levitical priests, so they worked in the temple. It was called a communal song. It was a song that they sang together, so they'd have all gone to the temple. All the people would have gone to the temple, and they would have sung this song together. It's in three stanzas, so one, two, three. Actually, and they reckon there's a little bit missing in in the first stanza, but we're not going to go there. So it was like there were three different stanzas to this song, and the, the the children of Israel went to the temple, and they sang this song. And it is called a psalm of confidence. A psalm of confidence. And there's something beautiful about being confident. And this is a psalm of confidence. I'm going to read it to you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Selah just means think on this. Pause, have a moment, reflect on what's just been said. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. It's a song of confidence. Psalm 46 is a song of confidence. The original, actually, in the 1611, the King James Version of the Bible, they said that in 1610, the year before it came out, they were translating the Bible. And there's a legendary tale that says that some of the translators were looking for some help. And I've been having a little look at this. And and they asked William Shakespeare to come and help 
translate some of the Psalms because they thought, who better to help with the poetic words and all of that, to help the King James Version. So 1610. And actually it says that on, on his 46th birthday, William Shakespeare came in 1610 to help translate the 46th Psalm. And if you were to look in the 46th Psalm, in the King James Version, 46 words in, it says shake. And 46 words from the end, it says spear. It's fascinating, isn't it? Shakespeare. And it's almost like he left his mark in the psalm. Or someone who liked Shakespeare left his mark in the psalm. Or it's just complete coincidence. Okay? So I just found that really fascinating when I was looking into this psalm that Shakespeare himself maybe maybe had a, uh, a little bit of influence on it. One commentator said about Psalm 46, comment on this great song of confidence seems almost unnecessary. So powerfully has it taken hold on the heart of humanity and so perfectly does it set forth the experience of trusting souls in all ages and tumultuous times. What's the song that we are singing? Are we singing a song of confidence? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15 verse 13. What do we overflow with? What comes out of us? What is the song that we sing? Have you ever woken up in the morning and had a song just stuck in your head? And, some, and, and it can be ridiculous, can't it? You know, I had Katy Perry fireworks got stuck in my head the other day. What's that all about? And it was just in my head. I don't even really like it, you know. But we get songs that are stuck in our head. But what should the song be that's stuck in the head of the church? That's stuck in us? Song of confidence. A song of belief. A song of strength in who we follow and who we love and who is with us. And that's what should overflow from us. Luther, Martin Luther, was a great reformer. When in greatest distress... His want was to call for this psalm, Psalm 46, saying, Let us sing the 46th psalm in concert, and then let the devil do his worst. So even the great reformers loved this psalm. And it was sing it in concert, so sing it together. And then let the devil do his worst. The beginning of it is about refuge. You know, rabbits, when they're under pressure, they run to their burrows. You know, when you're trying to hunt them down, they'll run and hide. Most animals will run somewhere and hide. Everyone, they have a refuge, a place they run to whenever they're under pressure, except hares who live above the ground and some other animals. But, (laughs) I don't know, I felt I was misquoting myself. uh, But everyone runs somewhere. And I've been really thinking about that as well recently. Where do I run? Where's my refuge? Who do I run to? Where do I go? Our God, he is our refuge and our strength. Is that why I run? Whenever I watch the news, whenever I feel under pressure, whenever I look at my bank balance, whenever illness comes, whenever pressure comes, where do we run to? Who do we run to? Where's our refuge? God is our refuge and our strength. This is the song that we sing as the community of God together, that our refuge is found in him. 
One commentator, a guy called Morgan, said this, the secret of confidence is the consciousness of the nearness of God. The secret of confidence is the consciousness of the nearness of God. We run to him and he is near. He comes to us. And so I'm thinking about this song, this song of confidence, this psalm, Psalm 46, that we, are, that we sing together, this communal song. And there's, uh, there's, there's three things I think we can pick from it. They are the flow of gladness, the fortress of presence, and the fellowship of stillness. This is what should give us confidence. The flow of gladness, the fortress of presence, and the fellowship of stillness. The flow of gladness. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's interesting because Jerusalem doesn't have a river. Most major cities either are on the coast, so they're near the sea, or they have a river. Like London, like New York has the Hudson River, like you know, uh, Berlin has the... Rhine, of course. Uh, there's lots of different rivers in lots of different places. But Jerusalem doesn't have a river. It has a stream. It has a spring in the middle. But it doesn't have a river. And so it's kind of an interesting thing here that they're singing about, the city of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And when we talk about the city of God, I think we kind of, oh, is that somewhere distance? Is that like where, you know, is that in the Middle East? Well, actually, the city of God is where God dwells. And if my theology is correct, that when I become a Christian, God comes and he makes his home where? In me. So you are the place where God dwells. You are the temple. You are the place where he is right now. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's, It's a biblical reality. God dwells. In you, in me, in each one of us. And there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Gladness, that's a hopeful song. That's a confident thing. It's really fascinating as well that you move from this kind of the, 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 the raging sea and the roaring waves at the beginning of the psalm to there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So... What, what, what do we get? What, what is gladness? Is gladness, I'm just going to be happy and pretend nothing bad's happening? No. The, the reason that uh, this was such an important psalm is that Jerusalem is in a dry and arid place. It's not, it's not fertile. It is now, but it wasn't then. It's a dry and arid place. And there is a river flowing in that dry and arid place that makes people glad. And so gladness can come to us not just in fertile plains and big rivers. It can come to us in dry times. Gladness can come to us in creation. There's, you know, the city of God is glad because a river is sometimes uh, like a picture of streams. It's like it, the, the reason it comes is like almost a, a creation narrative falling back and saying this is the, the river that flowed through the Garden of Eden. So there's something really important about the, the river flowing that where we find God in creation, we find God in dryness, we find God in creation. But also the city of God is glad because sometimes the river is a picture of 
peace, peace, a river of peace. So in dryness, we find a river flowing to make us glad. Sorry. Cool. Sorry, I got distracted. Just didn't want to. No worries. Uh, so, in, so this river flows and it makes us glad. And so as, as the people of God, we should be the ones who know that there is a flow. Out of you will flow streams of what? Living water. The Holy Spirit is often likened to a river. Water flows and it makes us glad. And gladness is not something that is temporary or artificial. Gladness is something that is deeply associated with joy. Something that is deep and real. Something that flows through us regardless whether we're dry or whether we're in plenty. It it is there. And so there is something beautiful and that should give us confidence. And there is a flow for each one of us that comes from this river. And then the fortress of presence. By the way, the, the, the idea as well is if you have a river in your city, when you come under siege, you're much harder to take down. So if you have a river in your life, when you come under pressure, you're much harder to take down. When there's a flow of something beautiful, of the grace of God in your life, you're much hard, it's harder when you come under attack for the devil to get in. So how do we keep the river flowing? That's a really important question that we need to ask ourselves. Have you got a, has the river in your life dried up? Have you put some boulders in the way? Have you stopped reading your Bible or praying? These are the questions I ask myself. You know, what, what is it that I need to do to keep the river flowing in my life so that I am continually nourished and refreshed? Is it, do I just go to the river once a week when I come to church? Or do I have a river that flows continually and consistently in my prayer life, in my devotional life? Because that's how you stay strong as a Christian in your faith, is allowing this river to keep flowing and not let it get blocked up or dry up. And so we need a river because it is the river of God in our lives that keeps us glad. And then we move to the fortress of presence. The God of Jacob is our fortress. By the way, I'm really hot. I should have. I was thinking about wearing shorts this morning, and I thought I didn't want to put you off my legs. Not that they're good looking; it's just that they're really skinny and white and knobbly. Might, might have made you feel a bit ill. I don't need a towel. No, no that'd be really bad. You ever seen that Simpsons one? We said, "I'll wipe myself with a rag on a stick." No. Okay, Simpsons episode, but I won't do that either. <laughs> Sorry. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So good, isn't it? The word fortress here and in verse 11 is distinct from that of verse 1. It implies inaccessible height. God is our fortress. You know, he, in, I think in the New English Bible, it says he's, it, God is our high stronghold. He's our high stronghold. He's that place, that, we, that refuge that we go to where it's really hard to get. God, we need the fortress. We need to understand the fortress of his presence, that God is with us. In these two phrases, we see God in two aspects. One, it says, right, the God of Jacob, so individual, is our corporate fortress. So it's like that God is not only just with us, he's with you. The God who is with us is also with you. 
The God of Jacob, when we say the God of Jacob, we kind of reach back into the past and lay hold of the helper of the man of old. You know, oh, he was with Jacob, he can be with me. That's what they were saying. He was with our father. Jacob wasn't great, by the way, when you read about him in the Bible. He wasn't a super great guy, but God was with him. God was present with him. So if God was present with him, God can be present with me. Do you know, I think we need that. We need faith memory. We need to remember the times that God was with us. Sometimes when you're feeling a bit like, oh, where's God in all of this? We need to use our memory to remind ourselves, God, you've been, here. You've been with me before. I've seen you with my father. I've seen you with my friends. I've seen you with people in the church. I've seen you in my own life. Even though I don't feel that you're present right now, I've seen you be present in the past, and I know that you're going to be present here now in my present. And so we need to use our faith memory to help us remember that God, we have this fortress of presence. God is with us. If God was with Jacob, he can be with me. On the day he died, John Wesley had already nearly lost his voice and could be understood only with difficulty. He was the founder of the Methodist Church, led a massive revival in the United Kingdom that spread out all around the world. He was a, a mighty, mighty man of God. And he could only be understood with difficulty. But at the last, with all his strength he could summon, Wesley suddenly called out, The best of all is, God is with us. Then raising his hand slightly and waving it in triumph, this is on his deathbed, he exclaimed again with thrilling effect, the best of all, God is with us. God is with us. And as you look throughout the Bible, as you read every chapter, as you read every story, I think it echoes down through history from the beginning to the end. God keeps wanting to say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. It's, it's the, the narrative of the Bible is that God is, I'm with you. I will do anything to be with you, to get with you. I will lay down my son so that I can be with you and you can be with me. I am with you. I am with you. This is a song of confidence. When we step out on a Monday, it's not, oh my goodness, the week, is, I get overwhelmed on Mondays. I don't know about anybody else. I'm like, oh my goodness. But God is with me. God is with us. We travel through the week. With God by our side, he is with us. The fortress of his presence, the high inaccessible tower that you cannot be shaken. He can't take it away. God is with you. He is with me. He is with us. He is with you. (laughs) The best of all, God is with us. And then we come to the, uh, the fellowship of stillness. Do you like my little Fs, by the way? I, I found it in a book, and I, I nicked them all, but I, can't, I couldn't then find the book to give the guy any credit. So, But don't worry, it's not just me being clever. I just found it somewhere else, but I can't remember where. I, anyway, be still and know that I am God. The fellowship of stillness. God invites us into stillness. But initially, this was really a rebuke. The be still was kind of like God enters this song, by the way. It, becomes, it turns into God's voice, not our voice. And God says, be still. And it's like God speaking to the nations. It's like God speaking to the world. Be still and know that I am God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not very still. And sometimes I try to be God. By that, I mean I try to fix it myself. I I try to work out the solutions in my own head and my own mind and I'm not very still and I try to be God. And the, the, the confident thing is this, be still and know that I am God. 
Initially, be still is a rebuke to a restless and turbulent world. In this verse, there's a change. God starts speaking. And as this one commentator said, as you know, the glory and greatness of God, stop your mouth from arguing with him or opposing him. Simply surrender. The fellowship of stillness comes when we simply surrender. I can't do it on my own. I can't make it on my own. Lay down your arms. Surrender and acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God. Lay down your arms. (laughs) Uh, Hebrew scholar Robert Alter says, Be still could be translated as let go. Let go. Relax one's grip on something. Let go. I don't know about you, but I hold on to things, you know. We all hold on to things. I, I like, say, say, this was, say this was offense, not a fence, offense, right? Someone offends me, right? Do you know what you can do? You can take offense, so you can take it and you walk away with it. And you've take, taken offense then, haven't you? And you carry it around with you. They said this, they did that. Do you know, do you know what I mean? They, uh, and you carry the offense, you've taken offense. What if we let it go? I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to carry it around with me. What people have said to me, what people have spoken over me, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk away. I'm just going to leave it. Let it go. Don't take offense. Let it go. It's that, it's that simple. But sometimes we're really good at holding on to things, aren't we? And the fellowship of stillness comes when we learn to let go. We let go of the words that people speak to us. We let go of the pressures that we're under. We, you know, we just let go. And we say, God, I'm going to be still. And I'm going to know that you are God. In this we find the fellowship of stillness. The verse almost becomes, I think it was the Franciscan monks who said, that, uh, be still and know that I am God was the gateway to prayer. It was the door that opens up a deep and rich prayer life. So we need to step into that fellowship of stillness where we walk with him and we let go. The song that we sing is important, and we should be singing a song of confidence, the flow of gladness, the flow of gladness, the fortress of presence, and the fellowship of stillness. It's a beautiful thing. So what I thought we could do, as we finish, we're now going to finish, I haven't spoken that long, remember I did a little update at the beginning, so that's just in case you think he's going on. I'm 26 minutes, 10 seconds in, right? I always time my talks. I hate to go over 30 minutes. It drives me mad. Uh, What I could do is that when the uh, Gutenberg Bible was delivered to New York in uh, the 1800s, when it arrived, the Gutenberg Bible was one of as a priceless Bible. It was it was one of the first Bibles ever printed, and we've seen it. Tracy and I went to the New York Public Library, and it's a, it's a ornate, beautiful thing. When they actually brought it to America and they got it off the boat, everybody in Customs House, when they brought it in, they stood up and they took their hats off as they carried the Bible through. I've been to a number of churches recently where, when the when the scripture is read, people stand up because they put great confidence and hope in the word of God. And so uh, I was thinking about all sorts of different ways we could end today, but I was wondering whether we could stand up and read aloud this psalm together. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Is that okay? So this, this stand, if you can. If you can't stand, don't worry. Uh, I feel sometimes we forget that there are people, 
Yeah, anyway. So, let's read this one together. It's the Word of God. It's a song of confidence. I'd encourage you to try and memorize bits of it, to learn it, to allow it to permeate into your spirit. But let's read it aloud together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts... (laughs) Where do we go there? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that we would be confident in you. Lord, that there would be a flow of gladness in each one of our lives. Lord, that we would step into the fortress of your presence, knowing that you are with us. And that we would find fellowship with you in stillness. In Jesus' name, amen.